Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course, salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by Calavia, the sales playbook platform made for your team by your team. The Calavia Sales Playbook houses your company's best practices, templates, and processes, and it also functions as an online sales training academy for existing and new hires. Learn more at calavia.com. That's C-O-L-L-A-V-I-A.com. Today's podcast is part of our Sales Leaders Talk Sales series, where we talk to sales leaders about growth and business development. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I'm talking to Bryn Tillman, the Chief Learning Officer at Vingresso, a digital training organization. Bryn actually hosted a webinar for us called Leveraging LinkedIn for Business Development a few months back, and it was awesome. So I will throw the replay of that webinar in the show notes for today, and you can find that at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod75. So Bryn, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. I'm so excited to pick your brain, to learn more about your sales background and any tips and techniques that you have to share because I know that you've got some good ones. (laughs) Wow, I'll do my best. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) So I want to start off with a simple question that's also kind of cool for, I know for our audience members to learn more about you and kind of to hear your unique story. So I'd love if you could just share more about or tell one story about your earliest sales memory, whether that was good or bad. Uh, So that's a great question. Um, As I think about that, I really go back to my first real job, which was waitressing at Friendly's. Nice. I was was 14. uh, (laughs) And, you know, we were paid $2.10 an hour, but you made your money on tips, right? That was where you made your money. And I pretty early on recognized that the bigger my check was for a table, the more money I made. So I became really great at upselling appetizers and desserts. Nice. <laughs> and I had like, I like doubled my income in like a week once I really landed it. And I would talk oh. about, you know, what, what the most popular ones are. And I'd ask them questions about, you know, are you a chocolate person or a, caramel person right and so I even had discovery calls back when I was waitressing but I think (laughs) yeah I think that's like when I really fell in love with the idea that in sales you can control your income and that was really cool definitely now I I do have to say the fact that you are at friendlies probably made selling dessert a little bit easier right (laughs) their their desserts are so delicious (laughs) I completely agree. And I also had a captive audience, right? Yeah, so it's like it's like being an inbound salesperson. It's just you know, the, the, the first level. Definitely. Well, that's a great story. I love that. I'd love to hear more about the role that business development has played in your career since Friendlies. How <laughs> have you found that or I, I, I'll let you speak to that because I know you've got some good stuff to say on that. Well, you know, it's funny. I actually ended up going to school for restaurant management thinking that's what I loved about it, um, which I think was really interesting. So I went, I went to Johnson & Wales in Providence, Rhode Island, and then realized that, uh, well, when I got out, first of all, that it's crazy hours and I was a young mom and I ended up deciding 
you know, I love the sales piece of it. So I started to work for a company called Dun & Bradstreet, big company, uh, in, as an inbound salesperson, worked my way out to an outbound sales and then in the field. And I really fell in love with sales because I was solving problems for people and I could control my income, which was really powerful for me. It was very, very exciting. Um, but what I really recognized pretty early on is that I was a really good salesperson because I really was detached from the sale and the money of it and really loved the identifying the need of the client and trying to truly fit a, a, a good solution. I love And that. ultimately, yeah, ultimately that's why I succeeded. Um, and I mean, I have lots of stories at Dun & Bradstreet, but ultimately ended up helping someone significantly. Uh, it was a recorded call uh, and she had called in and sent a letter in praising a situation. And because of that, ended up very young working with the sales training team at, at Dun & Bradstreet to develop scripting and ways to ask questions and really um, helping the inbound folks be more solution providers and so i got the itch for training and i I got the the i loved the training piece of it also very early on so although i stayed in sales primarily for for a couple of decades after that wherever i went i always sort of stuck my my head in in the training world or um i'd have i would always have people you know, shadowing me in the field. And so I really loved this, the training piece. And then in 2008, uh, launched a sales training company where it was all sales training. And I really focused on the LinkedIn part and ultimately spun just the LinkedIn and social selling piece off into my own company. And so, and that's the social sales link uh, was born, which is, is the company that I own and, and run. And, and it, it was, really a very um, powerful thing to be able to not just be great at sales, but to help other people be great at sales and really watch them succeed. So became a trainer and uh, as well. So that's, that's sort of awesome. the very long journey in a, <laughs> a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I totally agree with you that helping other people to be better at their job there's such a beauty in that. It's such a wonderful thing to get to help somebody and for them to come back to you and say, oh man, this has made a huge difference. This has made a huge impact. That's the stuff we live for, right? As trainers. <laughs> it, is. it absolutely is. I mean, it's I, I, I'm the happiest I ever am. It's not the clothes. It's the the email afterwards that says, wow, you know, we, this was an impact. I closed a piece of business I never thought I could get, or I got access to a decision maker I could never have done any other way. And so that's so cool. That's so great. And again, I'm going to encourage people, if you want to get a little taste of Bryn's training, to jump to the show notes and watch the replay of your of her webinar. It was awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> now, I have a kind of a big question for you. Do you believe that we're all salespeople? Or do you think people are born that way? They become that way? Yeah, so that's a great question. So there are definitely people that are born salespeople. I, they, ju they just are. But <laughs> like my brother. All, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but we are Eskimo. all. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, there are definitely people that are, you know, that are 
that ultimately have that that personality and and there it does it is a bit of a personality for sure mm-hmm. um but we all in one way or another are in sales now you'll hear people say well everyone in a company is in sales mm-hmm. um you'll hear that a lot and they're selling for the company but some of that is is really about customer service some of that is about branding but the bottom line is as individuals everything we do is in sales when we're dating we're in sales <laughs> right when when we're applying for a job we're in sales when we're looking to get promoted we're in sales when we're trying to get a project approved at work we're in sales right when we're trying to convince our team to get on board with a new software we're in sales so I think we are all in a sales role in some way or another. It's just, you know, how that fits into your world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, it's funny that you said most organizations will say everybody sells. Charles here at CFS has this saying that, that he talks about during trainings where he goes through this exercise where he teach, pe- teaches people to, to not think of themselves as a selling organization, but as a problem-solving organization. And it's oh, I like, love that. Yeah. It's like that mind shift. You know, you're not just a salesperson. You are a problem solver. You're solving problems for your prospects and customers. And kind of just to get your get your mind wrapped around that. You, you made me think of that when you made that comment. So I, I love that I got to share that little tidbit from Charles. <laughs> I love Charles. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, right? All right. Now we're going to get into some deep stuff now. I want to hear a little bit about the hardest lesson that you've learned so far in your career. Oh, oh gosh. That's a tough one. I know. Hardest- I'm sure you've learned a lot. <laughs> so to pick um, out one. So I think the hardest lesson, and this is going to say however it comes across, the hardest lesson was to learn that I'm not always right. <laughs> 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 what um, do you mean? <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, and, and my husband will attest this too. I get something in my head, and I'm pretty stubborn, and I'm like, and and it's really worked well for me throughout my career. But you know, um, this is a world now of real collaboration, mm-hmm. and and it's different now than it ever was before. And so I think the the hardest lesson really um, is letting stuff go and being okay with other people having better ideas mm-hmm. and embracing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really hard for me. I know that makes me sound terrible, but that's the truth. I mean, it really is. Um, and you know, and part of pr- probably struggles I've had is the difficulty in delegating and outsourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in, in many ways, once I could give it up, I found a lot more success. I can't agree with you more on that. It's so hard when you get into a routine and you're doing things a certain way, or you know that you have a high standard for something, that there is that worry that if you pass it off to someone else, it's not going to be done as well, or it's not going to get done at all, or whatever the case may be in that scenario. Uh, so delegating is definitely a big thing. I encourage all of our listeners, think of one thing that you can offload to save some time this week to someone else that, or maybe it might be a group thing that you do with someone Well, else. you know, I had I had a mentor that, that shared CETA with me, 
which was simplify, eliminate, delegate, outsource. Nice. And and so the first thing we did, just just kind of a, a to do for people if they were interested. The first thing I did is write down everything that I hundreds percent believed I could only do and no one else could do. Mm-hmm. And then I had to write down everything else, right? And mm-hmm. and then out of my list of a hundred percent of what I thought I could do, nobody else could do. About fifty percent of them, other people could do. Nice. But right, and we talked through all of them. And a lot of times, my mentality would be, "Oh, it'll just take me too long to train them. I might as well just do it myself." Mm-hmm. Not thinking like I train, take the time now, and it'll save me hours every other time. In the <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Right. So. So if you make a list, the simplify, you make a list of everything that you do and then go through and say, what can I simplify or even stop doing? What can I, you know, that's the eliminate. So what can I make easier? What can I take out of my daily stuff? What can I delegate to someone internally? And what can I outsource? I mean, I, I've hired VAs and I've hired, you know, other folks to help get things done. And at first it's like, oh, do I want to spend the money? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Because I can go ahead and make more money because I have my time back. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, Very good. Sure that. Those are great tips. I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned the whole process because that can really help, I'm sure, a lot of people that are listening in that are having trouble with this particular task. So that's awesome. I also wanted to jump in and speak to what you said about uh, not always being right. And I hope this makes you feel better, but my husband and I were having a conversation the other day and he was telling me about how he gets really frustrated when people, um, I guess when you're in a conversation and people don't care about what you have to say because they already know everything, right? And he goes, you know, it drives me crazy when I'm talking to somebody and they say, I know, I know, like they already know the answer. (laughs) And he goes to me, you do that a lot. I'm like, oh, thanks. (laughs) You should have said, I know. (laughs) I should have. I should have said, I know. (laughs) But then he was teasing me about that. And, you know, we we got into a big discussion about that whole topic and how things are are changing so dramatically right now. And none of us know anything, essentially. We all don't even – we don't even know what we don't know at this point, uh, especially when it comes to changing markets for uh, digital marketing and social media stuff and – any the technology is changing so fast that in a way it's true that nobody knows anything because there's too much to know so mm-hmm. hopefully that makes you feel better that i i also apparently <laughs> note believe i know too much <laughs> but it's yeah, actually I, not I, true that isn't true though because i am very um i'm very much open to always learning new things and I'll tell you right now that I definitely don't know uh, everything. There are a lot of things that I don't know. So, well, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I I'm well aware of a lot of things that I don't know, but I have this little tiny pie of the world that I feel you know that you know where I really can bring some value to mm-hmm. lots of people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm always learning. So that little pie, you know, using LinkedIn for sales, but. Uh, you know, I would say once or twice a week, I will pick something up. I do my best to follow some of the great minds in social selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the average minds in social selling will bring up something <laughs> that, that really impresses me. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of using it that way. Or isn't that clever? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm always open and listening. 
everyone has something to teach and something to learn. I, as I always like to say, (laughs) I I probably said it on this podcast a thousand times. Um, Now, I want to ask you a little bit about support and resources. When you are faced with a challenge or you run up against something that you're having a hard time with, do you have support or any resources or any places that you go? Uh, So lots of support from lots of folks. I mean, I have a VA that I have support from. I have a wonderful group surrounded by amazing, brilliant sales and social selling brilliance and genius. Um, I have a mentor that that I go to for, you know, handling um, communication challenges or, or, you know, anything, you know, I have, you know, an unhappy client, how, what's the best way for me to handle this? Like, so, you know, I have a a huge group of people. I'm very, very lucky around me that um, I can really turn to, to get best practices for situations. Um, And I think it's really important. So, you know, I mentor people, but I have a mentor. I have uh, I have a, a sales expert, not social selling, but a sales expert that if I'm stuck at something or a client stuck at something and I'll say, you know, I got to think outside the social selling box that I'll go to uh-huh. and say, okay, this, you know, here's the situation. Right. And, and so I do that for some people, but I, you know, the, the, I make sure that I surround myself with really fabulous people. That's awesome. It's so important to have great mentors and people around you that are really supporting and rallying around your cause. Uh, I could not be a bigger proponent of having a coach, having a mentor. Um, I've been very fortunate that I've had mentors my whole business life, uh, essentially since I was 16 years old. Uh, Really earlier, if you count my dad. He started me real young, uh, having me do his paper paperwork when I was about seven years old. And it's kind of funny now that all these years later, uh, many of the the people that he worked with then, I work with now. <laughs> you wow. Know, all those years <laughs> later. And they say, I remember when you were a little, little thing and used to do those little papers for him, organize his papers. <laughs> oh, my God. How funny is that? <laughs> Too That's funny, awesome. right? <laughs> So I, I love that. I love that you have resources and people that are in your corner. Now, I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit more. I'll ask you two questions in one because a lot of times I, I've tended to notice that they, they group together. And that's I want to ask you what you're not very good at and also what you're great at. And mm. we'll see if, uh, if they're opposites or if they somehow relate. <laughs> So I'll start with, I am a salesperson. So what I'm not really good at is like the organization is probably my, although I am a process person, I have to force myself into it. I was going to say, I'm surprised that that's the thing that you say you're not very good at because that was the thing I I would think that you're great at because I know you're great at building processes. So, so I, so I'm, I'm, well, I was one of the first people in the world to be diagnosed dyslexic when I was in fourth grade. And wow, no uh, way. I did not know yeah, that about you. I was in a study and all that fun stuff. So anyway, okay. so, okay. so I have, I, I had wonderful support around it. Absolutely phenomenal support. And, and so I create process because I don't naturally think in an organized way. 
Okay. So when create process, it allows, I can follow it, but my brain wouldn't normally, like my brain would be jumbled if I didn't actually create the checklist and the way to follow. So I can follow the instructions that I create for myself, mm-hmm. um, but that's my survival. Mm-hmm. That. I will also say, although I am better, sometimes follow-up was, was tough for me. Like I'd try three times and that would be it. Mm-hmm. And really, um, and over time, again, you know, you work really hard to, you, you, when you recognize your weaknesses, you work really hard to overcome them. Mm-hmm. So process helped with that. But, um, you know, I can still look back at some proposals from like six months ago that didn't turn out to anything. And I'm not exactly sure why. And so, we, you know, I'm like, when, when did I drop the ball on that? <laughs> yeah. So um, I would say those are my weaknesses that I'm always trying to improve. Okay. Uh, my strength, uh, and I like to think, um, I think I kind of, it's kind of two pronged, I think. So my strength is really figuring out how to use technology like LinkedIn mm-hmm. in, with a sales minded strategy. So I can look at a feature and figure out, wow, these are ways we can use this to access decision makers, to leverage more market. And I'm really good at developing strategies and tactics around a feature, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The other, the other piece, which I love so much, is working with a sales professional who, when I start a conversation and I say, so who and how do you help and why do your clients hire you and not your competitor? Mm-hmm. And they start with, well, I'm really not sure to really building out the messaging. And and so this comes from building out a LinkedIn profile, but this helps them across the board in all of their sales efforts to really be able to articulate why they're the best solution, the real problem they solve, not the obvious one, but Mm -hmm. the deep problem that they solve for all of their stakeholders and get them to truly believe that what they are doing has impact. Nice. And when they get there, they love what they do so much more and they're better at it and they believe in it and they're more successful and they are more successful. Their clients are now more successful. And that, that to me, I love doing that. And it's, it's, it's a process that like people say, I can't believe you pulled that all out of me. Like they don't even know. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the beauty too of working with someone to build a process versus throwing a process at someone and saying, here, this is what it is. This is the language you're going to use. When you really work with someone to build that out, they get invested in it. They get excited about it because they were a part of something. So that's really cool. Yeah. And they realize that that was in them. Like someone will say, well, I would never have thought of that. I'm like, no, you, you did think of it. I just, I, I don't know your business. <laughs> like, did, you know, oh, that's perfect. How did you know that? I'm like, because you just told me. <laughs> so, oh, that's too so funny. it's really like, 
it's fun. It is, it's probably one of my favorite things to do. And it's just, it's really starts out of trying to develop a, a client centric profile, but it does so much more than just build a profile. It builds like how they go to market. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's great. Well, I love that. You had great, great responses to that. I like your approach and I, I like the things, I agree with the things that you're good at too. No, having worked with you, I definitely agree with that, that it's, you're very process driven in a very positive and exciting way. And I think that really the, uh, the proof is in the immense amount of testimonials that you have on LinkedIn of all the people that you've helped and people just love working with you. So I know that it's what you're saying is true. <laughs> it's fun. You know what? I, I, I love what I do, like really passionately love what I do. I never feel like, oh my gosh, I got to do work. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. Yeah. So yeah. that's fun. Definitely. Well, you've inspired me as well to continue to develop processes. I had, we had a little bit of a glitch when we were trying to get started here because I never documented the process for uh, resetting my podcast software. And poor Bryn had to wait for who knows how long until I got it figured out. And I said to her, please remind me at the end of this that I need to document this. But this is just (laughs) an example of one of those little things that can be a time sink every single time that I go to do this if I don't remember, if I don't document what that one little button was that I had to turn to uh, make the magic happen. So so here. I will tell you something that I learned. There's a, it's an old book called E-Myth. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with it. But. That is a staple here at CFS. We are required to read that upon hiring, <laughs> being hired here. So yes, oh, love I love that it. recommendation. <laughs> yeah. To, to me, that's what, that's what, helped me become process driven by the mm-hmm. way. And yeah, so, you know, everything that I do now, it, when you, you can document those steps, uh, it will make, and, and that all came out of the email that yeah. I probably read 20 years ago. Is it? Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's been around for a while. Yeah. And, and it was by Michael Gerber. For those of you that are listening, I'll also throw that in the show notes. But that's so funny. You said that that's uh, what actually inspired Charles to basically invent the Calavia sales playbook was, it was based on process. And he realized after being a trainer for so many years that you can teach people all day long. But if the process isn't documented and if what you're teaching or what you're going through, what the the content that you're developing isn't documented into a process, how are you ever going to implement it? How are you going to recall it? And uh, that's where it all started was with E-Myth. So I love that. And that actually rolls into my next question, which is I would love to hear some of your favorite sales or business books. Ah, so my couple of uh, ones that I really love, um, Heart and Cell by Shari Levitin. Okay. He's amazing. Um, I haven't read that one. Oh, it's good. It's really good. Um, And it's really about connection. Okay. Um, I would say probably anything from Jill Conrad. Oh, my gosh. Love her. Love her. I got to get her on this podcast. Oh, you should. She's brilliant and adorable. And and she's actually, I think she's friends with Sherry Levitin, actually, just coincidentally. No way. Well, Jill, if you're listening, I'm calling you. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she's she's just absolutely amazing. And there is a, I, I don't know if it's a sleeper book, but I think it's a sleeper book that anyone who considers themselves um, a, a, an account-based salesperson okay. has to read, uh, it's a Barbara Weaver Smith, Whale Hunter, wait, I'm looking it up so I get the exact name. Okay, cool. Um, I think it's called The Whale Hunter um, uh, or The Whale. And so it is, I'm just going to just overview. This is absolute 100% must read for organizations that are account-based sales, meaning as a company, we want these hundred companies and as a company, our marketing and our sales and our IT team, we're all working toward this goal, Mm -hmm. which is truly account-based sales. This book, which is so cool, it's the story of an Eskimo village that works all year to hunt the one whale that is their livelihood for the year. Ah, wow. And it's so crazy brilliant. Very cool. I found it here, Whale Whale Hunting, How to Land Big Sales and Transform Your Company. So she has two books. There's also whale. Yeah, I think that might be it. There's another one. Yeah, there's also accounts. Uh, yeah, no, but I think the first one is right. Okay, but I'll, anyway, I'll put them all in the show I'm notes. Both <laughs> in. It is so like you just are. There aha moments left and right. Awesome. I love your recommendation so far. You have a lot of things that I haven't even heard. So this is really exciting. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. (laughs) Anything else that you want to throw out there? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm Uh, sure there's a million. (laughs) So I just really, although this isn't really necessarily sales as much as if you're a leader, like a CEO. Um, I just did the audio book on Built to Sell. Nice. Which was very easy to read, but it's about how do you, and it's really good for, for people in the service industry also, but how do you productize your stuff mm-hmm. and position yourself to get bought out? So that was kind of fun. Nice. Um, but I, you know, I, I have a ton of stuff waiting for me on audio. Uh, I, you know, I love Jeb Blount mm-hmm. and his stuff. Mm-hmm. I do most of my books on audio. I was just going to ask um, you that. Do you, you, it sounds like you do most on audio. Do you use uh, Audible or do you use uh, Blinkist or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, I use Audible. And I'm a big podcast lover. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, and I like to read, but, you know, I'm on, if I'm in the car a lot, you know, driving, um, even on the train. Audible is just great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, this is so bad, but I'm, I'm a multitasker, so I, I can listen and respond to emails. I know it's terrible, but... Um, <laughs> Oh, no, I hear you on that. I can work and, and listen to audio or music and do both at once. So yeah, so that's, really, that. that's been really good for me. So totally love it. Although um, I do prefer to read books only because I am kind of a speed reader. So I can zip through a book pretty quick, where if mm-hmm. I listen to it, it takes me a little bit longer. I mean, even on, you know, you can increase the speed and stuff, but then I, if it's too fast, I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> My ears yeah. just close up, I guess. Yeah, no, I speed. hear you. 
<laughs> but I, yeah, I don't mind. I could, it could take me two weeks to get through an audio book. Um, but I, I, it's just, it's been great for me. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. So. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I know that that's a big, big thing these days moving towards it. And I'm not sure if you have heard about Blinkist. It's the app where you can listen to things in seven minutes. Um, they basically do an overview, which I think is cool if you're short on time, but I definitely prefer to get the full context by reading a full book. Well, for me, that's a good preview. Like, do I want to now read the book? Sure. Exactly. Exactly. But it's kind of like Cliff Notes from high school, right? What's that? Like Cliff Notes. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes were great. (laughs) But there are sometimes I read the Cliff Notes and then want to read the whole book. Oh yeah, gets you it gets and you into most it. of the time not when it was school, but a couple <laughs> times. Awesome. Well, I'd love to ask you for a piece of wisdom that you'd like to pass along to the audience. Ah, uh, come wisdom. on, wise Bryn, share your wisdom with us. <laughs> so the number one piece of wisdom I would say is. Salespeople, two th- I'm going to do two things. Number one, I'm going to do very LinkedIn focused. Okay. Is stop random social selling. Random acts of social do not work. Mm-hmm. So if you are out there, and, and a lot of people say, well, sa- social selling, LinkedIn isn't really working for me. Just like anything, you need a complete process. Mm-hmm. You need to you need a cadence, you need your templates done, you need to understand, you know, who your your market is and what they care about. Number one. The second one, I guess is part A and B, is you have to stop making it about what you want to tell people. And that's what I see is one of the biggest mistakes across the board, whether it's on social, it's LinkedIn or just even in conversations in networking rooms, I'm blown away at how fast people pitch. Oh, yeah. And we've got to move from pitching to insights. You've got to move to understand. And you can't ever offer real insights until you understand someone's situation. Certainly. So slow down. Don't, you know, propose on a first date <laughs> that's right and really be curious that's that's the word i'll leave with everyone is just instead of worrying about what can i say that's going to get them to want my stuff just be authentically curious about them about their situation about just just and it doesn't always have to relate back to your sale i love and when that you, yeah, so that's what I that's what I would leave. Be stay curious. I'm going to do shirts now. I'm going to go print shirts. So stay curious. You, we actually you have three quotables here. I was furiously typing as you were saying this because I love this advice, and I'm going to share it in the show notes. But you said be curious, be authentically curious about them and their situation, and then always stay curious. I think we need to make a full T-shirt line here, Bryn. Oh wow. <laughs> Awesome. Brandon. What charity what charity are we gonna donate the proceeds to? That's I'm gonna ask you that. What's the charity that you would donate the proceeds to? That's a great question. You know, I'm there's so many great causes out there right now that I don't know that I could just point to one. Mm, okay. What about you? Do you have one that you've been working with lately? 
So there was a charity that I was very connected to. I, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer before the age of 40, and there's a young survivals coalition mm-hmm. um, that I was very active in. But you're right, there's just so many out there. I think right now, although I don't know what it would be with all of the, um, you know, from the time that we're, we're recording this, there have been a couple of uh, famous people committing suicide, I think I would probably donate to like a suicide prevention group because I'm really hyper aware of that right now. Definitely. And yeah, that has been such a terrible and sad, I don't want to call it an epidemic because I hope that it's not, but it's one of those things that's just really, it's so tragic. And it's something that, you know, with support and um, kind of focusing on in that particular area, I hope that it prevents that type of thing from happening in the future for others. I just, I, you know, life is so wonderful and precious. And no matter where we are in, in a, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, it, it's, it's situational, it's hard, but I, at people that have tried and survived are so grateful that they survived. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's sort of, like we, anyone can get, we can get through this stuff, right? We can just get to the other side. Definitely. I actually can speak to this from a personal perspective because my great grandmother attempted suicide um, when, her, after her husband passed away. They were married for 50 something years and wow. he passed away and she was just done with life was- after that. And she actually did attempt suicide. She shot herself in the head. <laughs> and. Oh my God. My dad said that he got the call about this. You have to get to the hospital. Um, you know, she's been shot and all this this whole thing. And my dad said yeah. he had an overwhelming feeling that she was going to be fine. He said, I just had a feeling that she was going to be okay. And she was. She ended up losing an eye in this incident. Mm. And that was it. And she went on to live for another 30 years after this. And she lived a very happy and fulfilled life. And she talked about how it was just the lowest of the low for her and she just really, she missed her husband and she didn't know how she was going to keep going without him. But after being given a second chance, it gave her an opportunity to reconnect with other family members and and other people. And now I feel like I'm getting off on a tangent, but I I wanted to just share that because you're right. No, that there, is, right you it know, is, there is more on the other side. Yeah. And you know, all of this, we're, we're talking about all of this about sales and all of that. The body, I mean, this is hu- this is humanness, right? And yes. and and it's all about really just appreciating life. And um, I, it may sound like a tangent, but you know, you, we if we touch one person, right? Exactly. And actually, this is really relevant for sales because it's a very high pressure job. Being an executive or being a sales manager, being a salesperson, it's very high pressure. It's easy to get burned out. And a lot of times what I've seen that happens with especially salespeople themselves, even executives, is they push themselves too hard. They don't delegate. They don't pay any mm-hmm. attention to work-life balance. And mm-hmm. eventually they burn out. They're depressed. Their whole life falls apart. Their you know wife leaves. A husband leaves. Whatever right, the case right. is, that everything can fall apart in an instant. So I think this is definitely a moment to just reflect and say, how how am I doing as a person? You know, it's great that we're bit, to focus on the sales part. Sale, yeah, a bad sales month does not define you. That's right. 
That's right. The, the best salespeople have probably had way more bad sales months than you have. That's right. <laughs> it's about resilience, right? Being able to right. say, all right, it's okay. I didn't make my, my quota this quarter, uh, but I'm not going to let this bring me down. Right. Yeah. So that's a good way to tie it all back. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And of course, Bryn, you know that here at CFS, we talk quite a bit about sales playbooks. We're always looking for useful tips that managers, CEOs, salespeople, they can share in their playbooks. Do you have an actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook? Maybe a best practice or a template a process? Oh, sure. So, there, so you know, I'm always going to go back to LinkedIn because that's like kind of where I live. But so best practices, do not connect and forget. Um, when, when we connect with people on LinkedIn and then ignore them, it, to me, it's like in a networking meeting that you walk up to someone, hand them your business card, shake their hand and walk away. Mm -hmm. Right. And you never have that conversation. So treat networking on LinkedIn like we would real networking and start conversations with people. Get to know them, learn about them, provide value. So, you know, I'm create welcome messages to your connections and don't always be attached to it being about your sale, but being about getting to know them first mm -hmm. um, and, and, and providing value. If you can make a difference, that's great. So that's, that would be add every single person you connect with on LinkedIn, make sure you send them a welcome message. Awesome. And now uh, you can script your welcome messages and any other messages and keep those in your sales playbook as a way to make things easier too. Um, that's definitely what I would recommend to any Calavia playbook users that are listening in. Plug your templates in. <laughs> now, Brent, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, there's just a couple of templates. There's, there's a welcome template. There's a connection request template. There's a, a request for an introduction to a shared yes. connection template. Who's viewed your profile templates? Absolutely. So there's so many. And actually, if, if if you guys connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to send you some some examples um, that you can put into your playbook. So just thought I'd share that. Awesome. Bryn, I'm going to throw your LinkedIn into the show notes. And everyone, if you want to connect with Bryn, please jump to those show notes and you can find her there. Bryn, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, this was a lot of fun. I always love hanging out with you. Thank you. This was so great. I love your tips and advice, and I can't wait until our users, our listeners get users, our listeners get to hear all the great tips that you had. So thank you so much, Bryn. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. You too. And thanks so much for listening to today's show. You can find the notes again for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 75. And be sure to tune in next week when we'll be talking about sales innovation in our CFS roundtable discussion. All month, we're going to be writing about sales innovation on the CFS blog. So check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you're enjoying the show. We really appreciate it. And if you want to throw us a rating, we'd love that too. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!